Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Welcome, guys. Uh, today, wow, I've forgotten how like boomy and cathedrally it is in here. Uh, my name's Josh, and I'm the pastor here. I haven't preached for four weeks. Man. It's been crazy, right? Uh, it's been such a blessing, actually. So uh, Wade, Matt, and Don, and Matt again have preached. Uh, I'm sure you guys are grateful for them. I hope that you've like let them know. Uh, and if anyone wants to put a petition forward for them being the full-time preacher, I won't fight you on it, okay? It was really good, right? Like, I was, like, super impressed. I was like, man, I need to take a break more often. And I'm just sort of sitting back. I don't even know, like... It's one of those weird things. You do it all the time, and then you take a break, and, and man, this week, I feel like I've just forgotten how to do it. I've clearly forgotten how to do an intro, because right now, all of this is just me observing things. You know, here we are. Uh, today is actually a very special day. Uh, today is our four-year birthday as a church, which is a crazy, crazy thing to say. Yeah, it's nuts. It's worth, like, a little clap. Yeah, the golf clap is fine. We'll take it. Man, four years. Uh, I was thinking, someone was making a joke uh, when we were like huddling up all the volunteers beforehand and they were like, man, this is a bigger group than what we started with. And that's true, but it's not even like true enough. Like the band is significantly larger than original Dwell Church, right? I mean, it's just a a tiny group of people with a lot of crazy ideas. Um, Some of the OG people here from the very beginning, Sarah Cook, obviously here very early on. Uh, Josh has been here, but you, you would never know. No, he's been behind the curtains for all of Dwell. Uh, Danielle, actually, uh, they had a death in the family, so she had to travel to Orlando this weekend. They're missing out. But, man, it has been a good four years. And the thing that we talk about here at Dwell, that we are, is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. And so we've been talking about that the past two weeks. If you've been here, you know, the first week we talked about being defined, or being a family. Second week we talked about being defined by the love of God. And today we are going to talk about being committed to giving that love away. Maybe start thinking about this phrase that you've probably heard before, uh, everyone deserves love. Have you heard that? Isn't that nice? Everyone deserves love. It's kind of a weird phrase. I feel like it came out of nowhere. You know, I hadn't heard it forever, and then all of a sudden it shows up, and now it's everywhere. Everyone deserves love. I feel like it's very Instagrammy. you know? Like it's out there in the Instagram. I only have one question, though. Is it true? I know, I know. I sound like a monster. And I said, hey, I'm going to, like, you know, not preach for a little while so I can come back and be happier about it. And now I'm starting off with, like, are there people that really do deserve love? But I just, it's, it's one of those things, like, uh, especially, like, the Instagrammy kind of phrases, you know, uh, that, like, it sounds so good that you kind of don't question it and you just slip right in. You're like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Everyone deserves love. But is it actually true? I mean, do you really, really, really think about it? What do we even really know about love? Where does it come from? How do you start it? Think about this. Our most common euphemism that we use around love is to fall in love, almost like love is a pit. That doesn't make any sense, right? Clearly, we don't quite understand what love actually is, and so why do we feel so committed to saying everyone deserves it? As if it's some sort of right that we have. And I'll let you in on a secret only, that only sad poets and probably Sam Beam from Iron and Wine actually know. I think none of us actually deserve love. It descends upon us like manna from heaven. 
shows up, it exists outside of us. It's like the most supernatural thing that we'll ever do. It's not natural, it's not rational, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, you know, a lot of people like to like, you know, get in debates about different types of things that are happening in science or whatever. I feel like love is probably the biggest thing that science can't really prove, you know? I'm not anti-science, I don't know why I'm going on a science rant, but I was thinking about this. I think love is one of the biggest like fly in the ointment kind of things to the idea that we live in a rational, empirical, and scientific universe, and that is all that there is. In fact, that's why there's not a lot of female scientists, actually. Yeah, they keep all, uh, it's mostly men in STEM fields, we know this. And you know why this is? Because if there are women there, then they would fall in love, and then they wouldn't even be able to promote this rational argument anymore, okay? And I'm just, I don't, was that a sexist joke? I didn't get to have my, like, sermon pre-meeting this week, and I'm not really sure if it was, it was more promoting love than it was anti-women. We need more women in STEM. Then scientists could fall in love. It'd be great. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to say here is, man, Love is something else. It is outside of us completely. It is bigger than us. It is supernatural. And it is crazy to think that we even get to interact with it, much less deserve it. I think it's true that if you really thought about it, it's not that everyone deserves love. It's actually that none of us really do. I shouldn't get to feel the love that I feel. I remember when I was uh, a young man and fell in love with a beautiful young lady. Uh, her name was Sarah, spoiler alert. And uh, man, I remember feeling, especially in those first few like months, like, am I allowed to feel this way? Like, I am just some bumpkin from Georgia, uh, like just trying to work my way through life. I was like 90 pounds and 19 years old. Uh, I had a shaved head and I thought it was cool to wear a shirt under a shirt that was a slightly different color than the shirt that was on top of the shirt, if anyone remembers those days. Like, that person shouldn't be allowed to feel the way that I felt. I mean, I was, like, flying. I was ice skating on a rainbow. I was just soaring. And all of these things are, like, things that it's unnatural to me. I shouldn't be allowed to feel this way. I haven't done anything to earn it at all. And it's one thing to feel it. It's another thing to feel it shot in your direction, which I feel from Sarah. It's true, right? It happens. I think she loves me. It's crazy. But you really don't know uh, what it is to get love that you really don't deserve until you have a kid. Like, Evie is foolish for how much she loves me. And she just doesn't know any better, right? She's six. She hasn't met a lot of people, and so she thinks that I'm great. Now, she's confused about that, and we're never going to tell her, okay? So she's in kids. That's why we have kids. She just doesn't really get it. But there are a lot better people, a lot more lovable people than her dad, and yet she thinks I am the greatest. It is confusing and exciting. But never before that very moment, or actually like having a child, did I realize just how little I actually deserve to feel or experience this love. And I think, I've been a little bit cheeky with this whole thing, but I think if you really thought about it, do you really, like, deserve to feel or experience the love that you have? I mean, I'm sure you're a good person. You're a great person. You've got a lot of great qualities. I don't want to take anything away from those. And yeah, you deserve to not be treated like trash. I don't want to take that away either, which is, I think, what people are saying when they say everybody deserves love, like you deserve to be treated like a human being. That's true. But man, isn't love like actually like a little bit more than we actually deserve? 
Isn't love like a little bit too good for us? Most of us have felt it, I would imagine, in this room in some capacity. You felt it for someone else. You felt it uh, directed towards you. And it's kind of crazy that that even happens when you think about how good love actually is. It's kind of like a baby being born. Like it's kind of a miracle every time it happens, so people would say. Like it's like a scientific anomaly that it even occurs, but it also happens so often that we lose sight of how crazy it actually is. That's what it's like to be loved. And you've probably felt it. You felt it to some degree. If you feel like right now in this room that you haven't, then you should know that I love you. As awkward as that is to just say to all of you right here, it's true. And imagine, I want you to think about this, especially if you're feeling unloved right now, like I love you, but there are people here that are not nearly as sociopathic as me that love you too. Imagine how good that is, right? Man, imagine how good it is to be loved by Danielle. That's so nice, right? So not even just from me, like you have been loved, you are loved, I know it is true. And not to even go there uh, to just bring it to this point, but there's kind of like an elephant in the room to this entire discussion that we're having, and that is that there is a God of the universe who loves you a whole lot more than I love you, right? It's probably like a million times more than I love you. It's probably 10 times what Danielle loves you, right? Like this God of the universe loves you a whole, whole lot. And that is something that... I feel like if you really, really think about it, you know, no, 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 deep down in your heart, we just don't quite deserve it, that it's actually too good for us. In fact, I think that's why a lot of people don't really trust that God loves them, because it's difficult to wrap your mind around this idea that there is a God who created the entire universe, who created billions and billions of people, who made the planet, who made everything from a platypus to a cloud, who's made all of this stuff, and that that God would actually care about you specifically, would actually love you specifically, would know you by name, would know the very hairs on your head, uh, would know where you are born, would know where you are going to, would know every single thing about your life. It is beyond imagining that that God could actually love you. And yet he does. Think about this from Ephesians 2, this is verses 1 through 9. Paul tells us, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work at the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in our flesh, carrying out desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All of that to say, hey, you know how messed up you are. You know all the terrible things that have been done to you, but you also know all of the terrible things that you have done to other people. You know exactly who you are, and you know that you were even working against God at some level, that he is sort of like the center of all things that are good, and that you were a part of introducing evil into this world. But he picks back up in verse 4 by saying, but... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I mean, that's nuts, right? Like, that's pretty crazy. It is by definition undeserved love, that while we were dead and disobedient, he was love and mercy. While we were against him, he was for us. While we were walking away, he was walking towards us which love, with love, which would cause him to send his son to die on the cross for your sins and mine, that he might actually take all of our disobedience and replace it with his righteousness. He might take all of our evil and replace it with his goodness. He might take all of our hate and replace it with his love. This is the love with which he loves us. This is the love with which Jesus loves you. All right. So, as we're building this along, don't really deserve love, probably at all but definitely not from Jesus. Then Jesus actually gives us tons and tons of love, more than we can possibly ever imagine. So keep those two ideas in your head. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever uh, gotten something and had too much of something that you didn't really earn? You ever had too much of something that you didn't really earn? You know, like uh, all of a sudden, like a bunch of money falls into your lap for no reason, and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this, man? This is crazy. Or you ever, like, you know, have something really serendipitous, like, pop into your life, comes out of nowhere. I remember one time this guy drove up and sold my dad a bunch of discount steaks, and I was handing them out like candy for the next year. I mean, it was crazy. I think the most, like, profound example of this in my own personal life is we were living in this house for, like, two years, uh, the house that we've been living in, and uh, the second summer that we were there, uh, the tree that had previously only produced leaves and dead branches now all of a sudden started producing apples. And I had no idea. This shows you how, you know, tapped in I am to agriculture. I had no idea that it was an apple tree. And, man, it produced apples like nuts. Like, I don't even understand it either because, like, this year we got nothing. Absolutely not a single, maybe one apple. Uh, that, that year it was ten thousands of apples. I mean, just hundreds and thousands and millions of apples. They were everywhere. They were falling on the ground. And so what we did is uh, we started picking them. Found out you shouldn't eat them off the ground. I didn't realize this, so we stopped doing that. Uh, we developed a lot of uh, yellow jackets. That was exciting, you know. They love apples, so that was fun. But we started picking them off the tree, and we started making everything that we possibly could with them. We made apple butter. Uh, we made apple pies. We made apple sauce. We made apple strudel. Uh, we made apple bottom jeans. I mean, we did everything. Boots with the fur. Whatever it was. I mean, we made it. I'm just kidding. Ah, that was a stupid joke. Oh, my gosh. Like, half the room is, like, burying their face in their hands right now. Like, what was that? Um, man, it was nuts. We had apples out the wazoo. I literally, this is not a joke. Anybody that would come over to our house, they would leave, and I'd be like, hey, you want some apples? And they'd be like, do you have some? And I'm like, yeah. And I would open up this, like, case that we kept in our uh, kitchen of just a bucket full of apples. I mean, it was just insane. I offered one to a, like, door-to-door -door salesman one day. That's how, like, many apples we had, right? 
And I think that's just what happens because I had nothing to do with getting these apples. I didn't even know there was an apple tree back there. I definitely didn't plant it. I didn't tend it at all. I didn't take care of it. One day, a billion apples just showed up out of nowhere. And it's amazing how free you can be with something that you really had nothing to do with earning, right? Like, it wasn't just the fact that I had too many apples. It was the fact that, like, this was like a serendipitous landfall that just fell in my lap. Like, this is something that I had absolutely nothing to do with. And so it made me think, it sort of tricked me into believing that what I most needed to do with that gift was actually to pass it on to other people. And in fact, I had so many apples that I couldn't even hoard them all to myself. I would not be able to consume this many apples. I needed to be able to give these apples away. That's how it goes when you have way too much of something that you did absolutely nothing to actually deserve. So, let's pull it all together. You have so much love. You are loved so much, more than you could possibly even imagine. You are loved by the God of the universe, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. Nothing. So doesn't that then mean that what we ought to do with all of this love is not just sort of sit on it, not just feel good about ourselves, not just pat ourselves on the back for how much we are loved, but that we actually ought to in turn give this love away. John says it like this in 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Or he says it again in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. This is what it means to being committed to giving love away. Not as if we have to, like, manufacture this love. We don't have to go out and find it. We don't have to fake it. We actually have to just recognize that we are defined by the love of God, and that that means that we have so much of it that we ought to give it away. That the most important thing about you and the most important thing about me is that we are defined by the love of God, and as a result of that, we have more than we can possibly hold on to. This love is not an end unto itself. It is the beginning of giving love away. Here at Dwell Church, we think about that in two primary ways. The first is simple acts of loving others. Matthew 22, 34 through 40 says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Again, in Matthew 25, Jesus says this, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus here is saying that this love that I am giving to you is meant to be passed on. It is meant to be given to someone else. It is meant to be given to those who desperately need it. 
So that is the first way that we give love away, through tangible acts of love and service and kindness. And the second way that we give love away is through sharing the gospel. Because we here at Dwell Church believe that the kindest gift that you can ever bestow upon someone else is the gift of the good news of Jesus Christ. That while we can do a lot of great things, and it is helpful to do those for people, it's not wrong. In fact, Jesus actually honors it. Here he is saying, hey, when you like care for someone who is in need, you are actually caring for me. While those things are all wonderful and great things, the best gift that you can ever possibly give to someone is the good news that Jesus loves them. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's where I think we're at. We don't deserve love. God gives it to us anyway. He gives us more than we can possibly ever know or imagine. And we ought to, as a result, do something with that love. That we ought to actually give that love away. Jesus, in fact, commands us to do that. Now, this is typically the part in the sermon uh, because now we're four years old, so I've given this in different ways four different times, uh, where I will guilt trip you into like doing something kind of nice this week and then forgetting about it next week. Has anybody ever played that game, you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's right, he's right, he's got me. He tricked me with that deserving love, not deserve love thing, and then he made me feel really bad. And so, you know, I'll throw a couple of dollars at somebody who's, you know, experiencing homelessness or something and then call it a day. And that's not what I want to do today. I was trying to figure out a way to think about this, like to actually capture what it looks like to be loved by God and to see if that actually could impel us on to loving others. And I think that it can, but it has to come from there. Guilt is a very poor motivator. It doesn't really last long. It's not good to hold on to for a long time. In contrast, love is about the only motivator that we really have in life. In fact, I'd argue that most of the ways that we try and satisfy ourselves, we're actually trying to answer that question of, am I loved? And we just try and answer it in a lot of different ways. And so what I want to encourage you to do right now is not just sort of, you know, take on some sort of new initiative. I'm not trying to guilt you into doing something more, but I want you to actually just sort of like sit and rest in the fact that you are loved And ask yourself the question, what would it look like to give that love to someone else? The other thing that I want to do is I want to sort of like raise up some sort of unsung heroes in our church. I'm not going to say their names. Uh, And in fact, I'll probably hit most everyone, honestly. Uh, Man, it is wild the ways in which that people love other people at this church. And so I don't want to do this as like, hey, here's good people and you're bad people if you're not on this list. I want to do this as like, look at these rock stars. I want to do this to say, hey, these are like normal people and here's what it actually looks like to live this love out. Do you know that we have a group of women that actually run a mops ministry here in our neighborhood? It's Mothers of Preschoolers. They actually connect with moms, who uh, many of them are not believers, uh, to just actually give them support and love and care and community in this very difficult phase of life. 
Did you know that as a part of our community, we actually have a family that hosts once a month a potluck at a low-income housing project just because they know that people are struggling and they know that their lives are hard. And so they come along and they say, hey, for one night this month, we're actually just going to celebrate. We're going to play with your kids. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a good time. We're going to get together. We're going to treat you like a person. We're going to love you. Did you know that as a part of our church, we actually have people uh, that right now are in the process of trying to figure out what it means to care for students who are at Lake Middle School? Just because we are meeting here, we want to actually be a tangible blessing to the kids and, and parents and faculty and everyone that is, uh, that is going here and is a part of the Lake Middle School community. We're actually going to be helping out with Fright Night coming up at the end of this month. Not because we believe so wholeheartedly in Halloween. I don't know if that's something you get into. Not because we're just like, man, hopefully we can get a handful of candy, but because we love these kids and we want to scare them a little. And we also want to show them that we love them. We have people in our church that are caring for people uh, that typically society does not care about. We have people that are going and serving people who are going through hospice, who are at the end of their lives. We have people who are serving people who are transitioning out of homelessness. Uh, We have people all across the spectrum, all across the city, all across uh, the board doing every single thing uh, that they can to try and show love to people around them, to try and give that love away. Now, all of those people that I've been talking about would be the first one to let you know that they're not perfect. In fact, odds are those people, in fact, the ones who are giving away the love the most, probably feel as though they are giving the least. That's sort of the nature of this game, that once you start actually giving it away, then all of a sudden you're like, man, I could be doing so much more. I could be giving so much more away, which is great because we have an infinite pool to actually draw from. But I say again that this is not to hold them up as heroes. This is not to say, hey, these are good people and you're bad if you didn't make this list or whatever. I kind of made this up off the cuff anyway. This is just examples of ways that you guys are actually already doing, for the, doing this. You guys are actually already committed to giving love away. So the two takeaways that I would have for us today... You, right now, have some sphere where you are giving love away. I am sure I know you well enough, and I trust the power of the Holy Spirit in you that he's inspiring you. You have some avenue at which you are giving the love of Jesus away. And so my encouragement to you in that place is actually to think about it consciously, to just be intentional for this week. That, hey, I'm not just, you know doing this nice thing because it's a nice thing and somebody told me I ought to, but you're actually tangibly sharing the love of Jesus Christ with someone this week. And if you're looking at your life and you're asking yourself the question, man, is there somewhere else where I need to plug in? Is there a way in which I need to be giving love away? It feels like it can just be another thing, another item on your to-do list, another thing that gets lost in the wash. But I really like this that Bob Goff says. He says, for some people, it's easier to make plans than it is to make time. If this is you, here's how to fix it. Make love your plan. Make love your plan. 
Because if it's true that we are defined by the love of God, that the most important thing about you and the most important thing about me is that I am loved by God and that you are loved by God, then our response to that ought to be our entire life. That in fact, we shouldn't be planning out our little lives and then sliding little, you know, like, oh, I love someone here, I love someone there. But in fact, we should be planning on how to share the love of Jesus Christ with every single person that we interact with. That making love our plan should come first and everything else should fall in after that. Make love your plan today, tomorrow, this week, for the rest of your life. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. God, we thank you that you have given us more love than we could know, understand, or imagine. God, we thank you that you treat us better than we deserve. God, I ask that you would give us the grace, that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the courage to actually pass that love along to someone else. Not someone else because of what they deserve or what they've earned, but someone equally as undeserving as we are, God, that you would just empower us to see that person that needs love, see that person that we can pass love along to, God. I'm asking now for your Holy Spirit to come into each and every one of our hearts and guide us in the way in which we might love you more. And we might show that love to others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.